0: Thank you for joining me on this journey, and now, let's create a life we love. Well, hello, hello, and thank you for joining me today. My name is Tudor Alexander. This is my podcast, The Seven Transformations, and today I want to talk to you about independence. I had a pleasure of having some lunch with my mom. I haven't had a chance to catch up with her in a while, and yeah, I always laugh. I told one of my friends today, it's how transformation is mutual it's always mutual you know i i work in the business of helping people become independent especially through dancing uh teaching choreography you know choreography creating these stories for people getting them a chance to express themselves and be vulnerable and be strong be independent obviously especially women i work a lot with women and uh, my mom if you haven't followed any of the stories. I am working with her and a good friend of mine, Joey, who I just interviewed. If you guys didn't check those episodes out, he's a personal development coach, really cool guy, one of my best friends, very motivational, very inspiring. We have been uh, kind of teaming up together more him than me. I'm just doing the motivational part with my mom, but uh, I really wanted to help turn my mom's life around. You know, I've obviously known her for a long time. And I'll post a video uh, on the show notes to this episode. If you're curious, check it out. Uh, But basically, just helping to, you know, obviously get in shape, get healthy, but it's really much more than that. It's about independence. And uh, my mom has been a great person in my life for many reasons. But when I said that transformation is mutual, I mean that, you know, whenever you are out to help somebody or contribute to their life, You are also contributed to, and that is something that uh, you'll hear me say time and again as a very important factor to transformation, to contribution, to helping other people because it is always mutual. And so I had, you know, I had some lunch with my mom today. We got to catch up. I had a little break at work, so it was cool. We got to talk about her life, you know, her journey towards this whole thing. I'm kind of doing a Mother's Day. This is my Mother's Day gift to her you know personal development <laughs> not exactly the traditional route but it is my gift to her and and that is that she can hopefully discover her own independence and independence it got me thinking after my conversation with her you know about okay what is it that i believe about independence what is it that i teach what is it that i work on in myself in others what do i talk about and It was a very interesting topic because a lot of times we think about independence like, okay, well, you know, there's emotional independence, like being independent in a relationship or, you know, financial independence. There's, you know, even spiritual independence, you know, energetically. There's all kinds of frames for that. But really what independence is, is a state of being. It is something that we want to feel and be. And independence, your state of being, is caused by the actions that you take. You know, so conversely, you could say that codependence uh, is, is also a state of being based on the actions that you take. You know, and those things can change all the time. So you can be very independent at one moment in your life and, and be very codependent uh, without even realizing it. You know, or you could have layers of independence... You know, let's say I'm very financially independent, but emotionally in all the relationships I have, I'm extremely codependent. You know, so it's never a one, you know, size fits all type of situation. And with dancing, uh, it's been a very educating process in my life, especially teaching, obviously, because like I said, I do have to help people. That is one of my main goals. In fact, as a teacher and somebody who's helping other people, one of my main goals is that my students don't need me. And I think that anybody who is in a personal development type of career or service situation, you know, that's similar, I think that should be a good goal to have because I don't want my students to be dependent on me. I really don't. That's actually my number one thing that I'm always working on is helping them be their own person, be free. In an ideal world, you won't need me, you know, and that's a really weird kind of business strategy or business model. Uh, because certainly, you know, today's world business is all about dependence and survival and making sure, you know, people are clinging to you and that kind of thing. And I don't think that's the right way to do things. I don't think that that really empowers long-term relationships. So independence is a very big part of, you know, what I like to talk about, what I do in my life. I think it's a very important thing, so I decided to make an episode on it. So here we go. I looked up independence, I look up the definition, and it says, free from outside control, not depending on another's authority. So, you know, that's kind of a, a nice title right there, especially the last part, the authority part, you know, a lot of us that, you know, maybe can feel like, oh man, you know, I'm crushed by the man, or I'm, you know, under someone else's thumb, or, you know, I want to be my own person, that kind of thing, it certainly appeals to that, but I think independence is a much deeper thing, and obviously with my, uh, you know, podcast, The Seven Transformations, being about personal development, being about personal transformation, I'm going to relate it to a more spiritual, I guess, if you want to put it that way, or, you know, that kind of a direction, and that is that independence, to me, means that you have a direct relationship between creating a life that you love and yourself, there's no, there's no intermediary. you know. If I'm not financially independent and somebody is giving me a, an allowance and I'm waiting on them and basically when I get my allowance then I can get what I want. You are not independent because you are not directly in charge of the creative process in your life. And when I say creative I don't mean artistic. I mean creative. What are you creating? You know, when we say we're physically dependent, you know, let's say, uh, you know, you have some injury and you can't get something and somebody else has to get it for you. Uh, You know, you are not in charge of creating that solution. And, of course, you you can change that, like the flip of a hand. Obviously, in some situations, there's major exceptions. But this is where it comes down to more of a thing about attitude, beliefs, you know certain ways that we interact with the world; those are more internal, you know, internal things, and that's why uh, I think that when we look at things like financial independence, emotional dependence, all those states of being, they are really the result of some of these things. And these things, I've compiled about four of them that I think are very important, and I call them the four pillars of independence. I like to use the word pillars; you'll see that a lot in a lot of my episodes because. You know, pillar is a great visual. It's something strong. It works with other pillars. You know, it holds up the entire building. So, you know, all of these things are equally important. And the way I've organized them is that they're in order in a sense that they naturally, these things naturally flow, you know, into one another. So here we go. You know, the first one is confidence. Confidence is absolutely one of the most important parts to being independent and you know confidence is your relationship to the external world that means how do you relate to situations people you know the the goals in your life those kind of things and confidence the way i learned confidence and what it means through dancing and teaching dance and competing performing is that it's in two parts you know part of it is knowing and the other part is feeling And, you know, you can look at knowing as a mental thing, a mind-body connection here in the sense that knowing is your structure. It is the analytical power of your mind, your ability to focus, you know, the facts, the uh, readable, measurable things of the situation. You know, if you don't know about a situation, if you don't have some level of certainty, then your confidence is not going to be 100%. The other part of confidence. And a lot of these will have multiple parts, not more than three, though, I promise. So confidence is in two parts, you know, knowing and feeling. And the other part, feeling, has to do with your experiential knowledge, giving, letting go of your mind. You know, you're going to see this a lot in a lot of the things that I talk about, in that whenever you have something like, let's say, confidence, it is always on a spectrum of two opposite but complementary things. This is like a fundamental law of the universe. You know, you have on one side your mind and you're being able to focus your analytical power and build structure and know and measure and plan and all this kind of stuff. On the other on the other side of that spectrum, you have being able to let go of the mind. You know, it's the exact opposite. You know, being giving yourself permission to feel. I know so many people in the lessons and in the work that I've done that they don't even give themselves permission to feel. You know, they're so in their head. It's like everything I give you, there's another question about it. It's like, just be quiet and do it. And then there's the people on the other side of the spectrum where they're very connected to their body. But the moment we begin using the mind to break something down, to get it a little bit better, that kind of thing to analyze the structure, they shut down. Or, you know, let's not think too much about it. Let's just do it. You know, and it's like, You need both because ultimately what confidence allows you to do if you employ both of these factors and balance them, it allows you to create high-level results. You know, in dancing, I use this again, this is my own examples, but in dancing, let's say you have, if you just use this confidence, if we just use this and we use it as a filter for understanding two types of people, some people you're going to get in your life. And this goes for anything, not just teaching dancing, but let's say, You use it for that. Let's see if one type of person comes in and they're very much in their head. They're an analytical person, you know, left brainer or whatever. Seeing kind of relates to that as well. And then you've got the other type of person who is much more experiential, is much more, you know, in their body and so on and so forth. Both of those people are going to have strengths. Both of them are going to be able to perform to a particular level. At some point, that level is going to reach a cap. There is a limit until you can employ the opposite or the other part of what you don't have, or let's say not what you don't have, but what you are ignoring in your process. So, you know, at some point, you may be confident within your own strength. Let's say if something is very, you know, much about analytics and the body, you know, the the measurement of things, then that's your comfort zone. And you've heard this kind of stuff before. And the moment you start getting into feeling land, for example, you know, then it starts to become uncomfortable and your confidence shrinks. Well, if you can master both, if you can employ both in a balanced fashion, then your confidence is going to rise and it's going to be there for all sorts of situations. Confidence shouldn't be reserved for, you know, a small amount of situations. And that's what really being confident is. It's about employing both the knowing and the feeling, having experiential knowledge, giving yourself a chance to be intuitive and to you know, trust your gut, as they say. And that's what creates confidence. And that's your relationship to, to the external world. So with that, you know, it goes into the second part or the second pillar, which is courage. You know, courage is your ability to initiate, to actually take the action. I heard a great quote, and we use it all the time where I work. It's that courage is taking action even though there is fear anyway. You know, even though you're afraid, it's acting anyway. So it's not, courage is not this like lion heart having golden armor on and, you know, not having any fear. Absolutely not. It is, in fact, having fear because we all have fear. And deciding to act anyway, that's what being courageous is. Ultimately, it comes back down to a, a, another you know spectrum or you know these two things that are opposing, which is desire and fear, you know, or the circumstances versus what do you want. So again, it all, it's all the same thing. Those two things are always there. Your fear is always going to be there. And sometimes the desire is going to overweigh it and you make a courageous decision, say, you know what, I want this regardless of what I'm afraid of. Or sometimes the fear and the reasons are going to come in, the rationality about the situation is, and your mind is going to justify the, you know, not acting. So courage is really your ability to take action and to initiate action. So, you know, we look at, the mind-body connection, which is very important here. I, I often talk, you know, that in my book, The Seven Transformations, I'm going to go on a little bit of a tangent here, but it's not that, it, it definitely relates to what we're talking about. In the book, you know, obviously The Seven Transformations is based on the seven chakras, and it is my personal experience of them and through teaching, through competing, that's the, the nutshell. And your third chakra, the thing that is your energy energy point in your stomach in your center your core that is where i talk about independence because that is your core that is your center not just your core like your physical core but it relates to your identity in the world your independence your strength being able to be taking action and create manifest in the physical world what is it that you want, and that connection, the 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 center, there's a connection between that and the mind. Every chakra, there's a lot of connections between them, you know, they're like wires and meridian points. Well, they, you often hear about the mind-body connection. Well, the sixth chakra, the one relating to your mind that governs things like vision, and not just seeing, but seeing truly, as in being able to see ahead, see and dream, not being you know cynical, being not being reasonable all the time, being able to see and dream and create possibilities and have vision. Well, that's an integral part to being courageous. Because if you don't see the possibility, then there's nothing to act on. I remember seeing a quote. You know, I, I uh, published this episode recently. What is your slogan? And I got a lot of good responses on Facebook. One of them was from uh, one of my students who posted this uh, little meme or whatever it was. Very cool. It said, Doubt has killed more dreams than failure ever will. And I love that quote because it was integral to this episode on courage and independence. So, you know, ultimately failure is a part of life. But failure means at least you took an action. Doubt is the absence of action. Doubt prevents you from taking action in the first place. And this is why courage, you know, that's in two parts. Again, the first part is being able to see the possibility. You know, if you're so doubtful, if you've lost the vision, again, it's the mind-body connection. If you've lost, you know, they talk about vision boards, and they talk about, you know, visualizing the future. We say painting future pictures. I used to Use that word, you know, that phrase all the time is being able to create futures for people, you know, in the work that you do and for yourself. I have to do that constantly with people. And if you have not been able to create a vision, then there is nothing to step into. The future that you are walking into is, you know, going to be determining your actions. So the first part of it is seeing the possibility. That is the first part of courage. And then the second part, obviously, is taking action. Now that seems like an obvious one, but what determines your ability to take action? And that is your willingness. Willingness is also a factor of the mind. You know, it's your will. It's your willpower. You know, it's your willingness to be uncomfortable. Courage is not comfortable. You know, there's your growth zone as, as we often hear. But willingness is what determines whether you are going to take the action or not. Because there's always something to lose, especially for the things that we really care about. Are you willing to take the action? Are you willing to be uncomfortable? So the first part is visualize, vision. And the second part is be willing to enact that vision. That's what creates courage, your ability to initiate action. So, we have confidence, we have courage, and naturally, these two, when when you look at them, and you look at them as processes in in your mind, in your body, in your spirit, they lead to accountability, which is your relationship to the internal, or yourself. You know, accountability, I thought about, okay, what is accountability? I'm sitting there thinking, like, how would I relate to it? How do I talk about it? And, Accountability to me is awareness. Ultimately, you know, you can... I heard this quote, again, I love using quotes, but Einstein is one of my favorites. You cannot blame a fish for its ability to not climb a tree. It's something like that. You know, living a whole life, you know, not climbing a tree. You know, it's not accountable for climbing a tree. It doesn't know how to climb a tree. So ultimately, accountability starts with awareness, Being able to be accountable begins with knowing what you have to be accountable for. Somebody who is not aware cannot be accountable. And awareness, this this is a very big umbrella here. Because, you know, for example, like, let's say, you know, you take something like a negative habit. You know, whatever it is, I don't know. Smoking. If you're a smoker, I'm sorry, you do what you want. I don't really have any opinion on it. But let's say we take something that is physically, you know, generally not good for you. You do that regularly. Well, there's an awareness that, okay, this is, you know, killing me, or drinking diet soda is killing me. There's a lot of things that are killing us all the time. But awareness of the impact, of the true impact of, you know, said habit, whatever it happens to be. Awareness is not just knowing. Awareness is also feeling, just like we talked about with confidence. You know, it's the same process. So if I'm aware that, oh yeah, you know, all the commercials tell me smoking is bad for me or drinking diet soda is bad because it's got this and that and whatever. But let's say something happens, you know, there's a little sign from the universe that kicks in your intuition. Now you have a little more experiential knowledge about maybe the potential impact of what you actually are losing. And you're present to that. You're truly present. Your awareness has deepened. And you realize, okay, well, you know, maybe I'll make a different choice or whatever. Maybe I'll make the same choice. But awareness is what begins accountability. And what continues accountability is willingness. Your willingness to act on what you have learned and what you've become aware of is what also determines accountability. Because there are a lot of things that we know, but how willing are we to act upon them? That is true accountability. When awareness and willingness are in alignment and there's action. So if that's what accountability is then that really is what confidence encourages. You know, confidence, we said, okay, your ability to really know and feel. Well, together those mean awareness. You know, if once you know something, like the logical parts of it, the, the facts, the figures, and then you've experienced it, you have a level of awareness about it. And if you understand courage, if you're able to see the future, the possibility, create that vision for yourself and be willing to be uncomfortable in the action and the process towards it, then you have created accountability. It's not something you need to work on. It just evolves naturally. It it comes about because you have developed those things. So the relationship to yourself, the internal, that's accountability. You know, it's like motivation. They say motivation has to usually start external motivation, then, you know, over the time, people become internally motivated. They do it because, you know, some higher purpose or it's enjoyable or something internal. Well, that's the process we just discussed here. You need know, go from the external, your relationship to the outside world, confidence, knowing and feeling, understanding, you know, experimenting with different situations, becoming more aware, to developing your ability to initiate and take action on those things seeing the future creating the possibility for yourself seeing the vision painting those future pictures and being willing to be uncomfortable taking actions you you start to create this self-motivated vehicle this internally motivated force which is accountable and accountable people are motivated not because they've worked on their accountability but because they have worked on their confidence about what they're doing and their courage, their willingness to act and be uncomfortable. And of course, when you're motivated, the final component, which is the most important, but you know what, they're all important, but I'll I'll really emphasize this one, is diligence. And I use diligence because this is your ability to sustain actions. Most people quit in two ways, before they even start, which is what we talked about with doubt, killing more dreams than failure, or shortly after they start. So think about that. Let's say you take an action, you're inspired, oh my gosh, okay, I'm going to go You know, talk to this person, get some ideas about whatever here and there, and you bring your notebook, okay, you get from one action that you decided to take, meet with Joe and get a coffee, you have now five or six action items because you had a great conversation with Joe. At least you're going to get one. At the very least, you're always going to get one for one. This is the beauty of the system. It's never, you never lose action. You never lose action. This is uh, a really important thing because look, let's say I, you know, I put my little Bitcoin for action in there and I, I take an action and I meet with Joe for coffee. You don't lose that action because even if it's a total failure, even if Joe comes in there, he has nothing to tell you, It's like, oh my God, this is a terrible waste of time. Like, what am I doing here? If you're willing to take a look and you're the type of person that's accountable and you're open-minded and you use, and we're going to get to one of these things actually in diligence, but even if it's total failure, you use that as an opportunity to take more actions. It can, be, it can turn into three, four, five more actions based on that failure. And that's one of the parts to diligence, which is resourcefulness. I'll talk about it later. But diligence is your ability to act. Because when you sustain action, when you act and you take an action, it usually leads to one, but usually much more. It's a trickle effect. It's a viral effect. This is how success is built upon. This is how creating a life you love happens. You take an action. Five other things happen. And then you pursue those five things and one of them gives you three, the other one gives you four, one of them gives you two actions, and it just keeps growing and growing. So naturally, you will become overwhelmed and want to quit after you've taken action. We already established that a lot of people quit before you even take action. If you can overcome that in a project and you've taken the action towards it, now there's a second gate to pass through. And that second gate is one of diligence and the first thing to think about the first part this is in three parts the first part is organizational skills you know that's everything from multitasking you know time management all that stuff because as your actions multiply you will have a lot of them to keep track of and if you're not organized you will get overwhelmed and quit so what does that mean? Oh, well, you know, there's just too much stuff to do. I'm procrastinating, and, uh, you know, it's just too much, so then I quit. You know, how many times have we all been there? So you have to be organized. And what does that mean? That's your ability to stay on top of yourself, to be accountable. It's all related. To see the th- how the things relate to each other, how understanding proper time management and multitasking, you know, being organized, having mental acuity. I'm going to actually... Make an episode on multitasking because I think it's a whole can of worms in and of itself, especially for creating a life you love and diligence and things like that. It is an extremely important thing. But anyway, I digress. In dancing in my career and how I've discovered organization and and things like that is that structure is there to save energy. You know, if you have a structured approach to something, it saves you energy. It's pretty simple. That's what nature all around us is about. Everything in nature seeks the most least energy approach. You know, it's the most efficient approach. This is a universal principle. There's nothing in nature that's not there that shouldn't be there. You know, there's a famous quote that says, Nature never hurries, but yet everything is accomplished. And it's beautiful because it's true. Nature doesn't mess around. It knows exactly what it needs to do all the time. That's It's universal consciousness. Well, we're not so clever because we're an individual within a giant matrix, so we have to kind of learn and figure it out. But structure is the key to saving yourself energy. In dancing, we have a lot of dances to do. We have rounds upon rounds when you compete, you know, with students, with professional partner. These things require a ton of energy. And in dancing, let's say you have five dances that you have to compete, all of them very different especially the last one is the most energetic, you have to understand how to pace yourself, how to breathe, how to move your body in a structured way so that you don't waste energy because then those last couple dances, they're going to be the worst and you're going to not perform overall. So it's about the long haul, and when you have the long haul, a structured approach is key for sustainability. So, you know, that naturally ties into the second part of diligence, which is methodological thinking or systematic approach, being able to see the process. You know another way that we get overwhelmed is that we don't see the next sequential step, the next logical step. A lot of times, you know, and that relates to the whole doubt thing and not not really taking action in the first place because a lot of times when you when you want to do something, and you're ignorant about the process you're not going to see the steps for what they are that goes back to knowing and feeling again all these are related so you're going to be new at the process you're going to try something and what you thought was going to be two steps it actually turned into 300 and you don't see the connection between those steps so you see step you know 2 and 3 and then you see step maybe like you know 20 and 50 and then step 90 you're like oh man I'm never I'm never going to get to that step, or it's too much energy required to get there, or it's, you know, too many resources or whatever, you know, something where there is an enormous amount of required energy and resources to get there, you know, and and ultimately, you know, that's true for anything, that is true for anything, any level of success, any level of creating a life that you love is going to require a lot of energy, but also, well, that's also true, there are multiple truths for any situation, it's not just one thing that's true. Also what's true is that there are many, 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 many steps that take you there. And if you're able to see those little many steps, then guess what? Your confidence is going to increase. And it's a self-sustaining cycle. Because if you see all the little steps, and you can take one baby step. Okay, great. and knocked it out. Cross it off my list, got a little dopamine, boom, go to the next thing. You know, write everything down. I love writing stuff down because I get to cross it off. I feel accomplished. It gives me a little boost. Be organized. So ultimately, that methodological thinking, seeing the steps towards something, is going to minimize your chance of getting depressed and overwhelmed and not seeing the connection between you and your vision and your future. Because there are many, many steps and ultimately we usually, you know, neglect many of them because we are new to the process. And that's where experience comes in play and your willingness, again, to withstand failure and process. In the competing world, especially dancing, I mean, it's, you know, it's horrible. Ultimately, there's no finish line. So in something as subjective as ballroom dancing, I had to really get accustomed to the process and not getting attached to anything because regardless of how much effort you put in sometimes many times really the results don't match you know the <laughs> the desire or the even the effort that you think that you put in so it really is all about the process it's been an incredibly humbling experience and it's taught me about the value of process and seeing value in the process, being rewarded just by taking steps even when you meet your goal. It's over, it's done, it is gone forever. So all you really have is your process. You know, that's, that's really all that you have. So being able to be methodological in your thinking, process-oriented, it will save you a lot of depression, it will give you motivation, And it will give you fulfillment, which is the most important thing, because fulfillment allows you to be diligent and sustain the things that you begin. So the final part, you've got organizational skills, methodological thinking. Resourcefulness is the third one. Being resourceful, this is one of the key ingredients to being diligent, because resourcefulness, and I told you that I would refer back to this earlier. Resourcefulness is an extremely powerful ability to create success and it's absolutely needed. It is your ability to be creative. And when I say creative, I don't mean artistic. I think everybody is creative. I think that we all have creative power because how I look at creativity is your ability to see the relationship between two things. That's it. It's very simple. And we are taught to separate two things in school this is different from that this is this and this is not that analytical skills which are important again spectrums two opposite competing values that we have to reconcile but creative thinking is not so much taught in schools they say yeah, that's you know your your major life lessons about business and all this stuff are in the field because that's when you have to make creative decisions when you have to see the relationship between two things you know, and and learn resourcefulness, which is a result of creative thinking. When you are in a situation and there's a difficulty, your ability to see the relationship between whatever is going on and a solution, that's creative thinking. That is what creative thinking is. So resources can be a lot of things. Obviously, the physical, you know, things come to mind, like money and time and things, but there's so many more the layers of resources. Social, people are resources. They're probably the one of the best resources in your life. You know, uh, failure. Failure is a resource. Your, you know, we can say this is optimism, but your ability to use failure as a resource for more action is the determining factor to diligence. Like I said, if I went to have coffee with joe and it was the crummiest you know appointment ever you know i expected to get like all this knowledge and he just totally wasted my time i now have a resource i have a failure i have something that i did that didn't work and if i can look at that situation and there's so much you can extract from that i mean you can just look at and say i had failed all right let me try something new okay well you still are plus one you got another action Or you could look at it and say, you know what, gosh, I'm so bummed. I can't believe that. My life sucks. I probably shouldn't do this. Maybe that's a sign from the universe I shouldn't do it. Now you're like negative one, negative two, negative three actions because of your lack of resourcefulness from that failure. But really, if you can look in that and say, okay, well, you know, what about me? Maybe did I, you know, pose the questions incorrectly to him? Maybe did I, you know, put him off? What What role did I have? Accountability you have now increased your resourcefulness, meaning your ability to look at that failure and extract more action from it. Okay, well, maybe I should phrase my questions differently. Boom, plus one. Another action I can take differently in the future. You know, uh, so on and so forth. So there's a lot of obstacles to all of these, you know, especially resourcefulness. I I had an episode, episode 12, which is the uh, seven obstacles to gratitude. But really... I'm going to create those as the seven major obstacles, period, because I think they're pretty much universal. But a couple of them that come to mind are, you know, having too busy of a life. Just go, go, go all the time. It's very difficult to be resourceful when you're in the rat race and you are stuck on, okay, what's the next carrot? Let me, choo, 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 let me find you know, the next thing and, and jump through these hoops. Because you, resourcefulness, you know that may be true in some situations, maybe not. But one thing for sure is that when you are too busy to relax and rest, your mind cannot think creatively. It gets into analytical mode. This is an important distinction here because it gets into this mode where it has to survive. And when it's surviving, it is just looking at how things are separate. It is not thinking creatively. Creative thinking means you have to have a clear state of mind. You have to be relaxed. you Because those types of things, seeing how things are put together, requires a different state of being. You have to be able to observe. When you are stressed out, you cannot observe. You're stuck in the moment. You're stuck in surviving in, in action. So busy life is a major obstacle. And when I say busy life, not in a good way. Like, it's good to be busy. Don't get me wrong. I like being busy. But you know what I mean when I say that you're too busy. And that leads to a lot of things. You know, shortage is another big obstacle. Shortage survival mentality, you know, being in scarcity consciousness. You can't be resourceful if you are constantly worried about the bottom line or you know, you have a, a negative relationship with gratitude, let's put it that way. If you're not grateful, if you're seeing if you're cynical and seeing how things are not working out or you're afraid of risk, it is impossible for you to be a resourceful person. You know, now you may say, okay, well, what about people who can save a lot of money? Because they don't make a lot of money, so they're very, you know, frugal and be resourceful. Yeah, you know, that's that's a type of resourcefulness in the sense of efficiency. You know, There's a difference between being efficient. And seeing the relationships between things and being creative about, you know, how to, you know, use the resources that you have and seeing solutions. Yeah, that's part of it, too. Because, you know, what they say necessity is a mother of invention. You know, but being poor doesn't mean necessarily that it's going to lead to creative thinking. It may. You know, you see a lot of great examples about it. So, uh, but it may not as well. So, because shortage is not having, it doesn't have anything to do with you being poor. You know, shortage is a mentality, you know, scarcity consciousness is a state of being that you can get into whether you're rich or poor or medium wage, whatever it is. It's constantly, if I go to Walmart and I want to buy a $12 t-shirt and it's like $18, I'm like, oh, man, no way, I don't want to spend that much money. Boom, instantly I'm in scarcity consciousness, at least for maybe two minutes. But how many of those little transactions do you have a day? And if you don't keep a check on it, then your consciousness starts to change because the words, the things you say to yourself, your actions create shortage. So attachment is the other one. You have busy life, shortage, attachment. Attachment to an outcome. I'm um, so it's gotta be this way or another way. Well guess what? You can't see relationships to other solutions if you're so attached to one. I read this book called The Power of Not Knowing and it's a great book. It talks about the Power of not knowing. I mean it's the power of basically being creative and not having a particular way that it has to go. You know, again, spectrums. Sometimes it's very useful to have exactly what you want in mind, and sometimes it's not. Sometimes it prevents creative thinking and gives a lot of examples of famous companies that started and how they started and even situations like hostage situations where people are thinking creatively for situation you know, solutions all because they weren't attached to a particular way that it had to be. So the final one is cynicism. Again, these are all in episode 12 if you want a little more info on them. Uh, But they're major obstacles, and there's three more, but I'm just naming four for now. So busy life, shortage, attachment, cynicism. Cynicism is this deep-rooted, you know, I, I associate it to, you know, like an antithesis to your spirituality because spirituality to me is really a sense of being connected, It's not having to do with, you know, with anything religious. It is your sense of connectedness and seeing the integration of yourself into the greater picture. So cynicism is the opposite of that. It is the separation of yourself. And if you think about that, what is the impact of that consciousness on your life? It is seeing constantly how things will not work. Because if you see how you're connected to everything else, then you do see how you're connected to your future. You see how you're connected to success. You see possibility. If you have lost that twinkle in your eye, as they say, that is cynicism. That is seeing only problems anytime someone suggests a solution. So cynicism is a major obstacle to being resourceful, which is one of the three parts to being diligent. You know, and I'll close with this as far as the diligence and resourcefulness in dancing. Especially recently, I've been so amazed at how, you know, we'll have a problem with the choreography with a student something, or you know, even with my pro stuff. If something's not working out, I got to step forward, and it's just I'm, it's just a weird orientation. It doesn't feel right. Whatever, there's something going on. All I have to do is use the other option. There's only two options at one time. If I turn to the left, well, let me try turning to the right. If I use my left foot forward, let me use my left foot back or let me step with my right foot forward. It's like you only have pairs of two, obviously. And it's like how many options there are with just two is insane. It is a magical thing because if, and in every case, if it wasn't one, it was just the other. That's all I had to do. There was no complicated solution. All I had to do is just see and sometimes, even Louise, like I said, recently especially, I've even blown myself away. I'm like, wait a minute, wow, I didn't even know that was possible. And it's such a silly, silly solution to the problem. Like literally it was maybe I had to just turn the other way or something like that or turn the, change my left hand to my right hand or something like that. But it's so simple. It's like the back of your hand. And that's what being resourceful means, being able to see the relationship between two things and sometimes it's extremely simple but yet it's invisible and that's what creative thinking is all about so let's do a little review coming up on the end of the episode here four parts to independence confidence that's your relationship to the external world and confidence is about knowing and feeling integrating your body with your mind Courage is your ability to initiate actions and take, take the lead, go for it. It is taking action even though you are afraid, regardless of your fear. And what that means is, in two parts, seeing the future, being able to create a vision for yourself, and seeing what the future actions might look like. And part two, being willing to be uncomfortable in taking those actions. That leads to courage. And naturally, if you exercise courage and confidence over time, accountability is going to develop. And that comes in two parts. Accountability is all about being aware first about what you're accountable for and being willing to take action on what you're aware about, which relates to confidence and courage. You know, being confident, knowing and feeling. And being courageous, taking the action, creating those futures for yourself. Those lead to accountability. It's a constantly evolving process. They all feed into one another. And people who are accountable are motivated internally. Which leads to diligence. Your ability to sustain actions once you've taken them. And diligence is a three-part monster. You know, most people, I said, tend to quit in two ways. Before they even start or shortly thereafter. So your ability to follow through is key. And that relates to your organizational skills, being organized, seeing the steps that are required, and being process-driven. Obviously, there's hints of patience in there as well. And being resourceful, being able to use your mind in a creative fashion to see the relationships where initially there appeared to be none. So that's what independence is. And if you can exercise those things, I know them from dancing. I know, you know, I could give all kinds of metaphors, but they apply to everything. I think if you exercise this in a relationship with a loved one, if you want to create a relationship that's powerful, having confidence... Courage, accountability, and diligence. This is what living a created life, a created marriage is all about. This is what creating a business is about. This is what you know creating a great body is about. You know, that's what confidence and courage. They're not limited to just dancing or performance or athleticism. They're everywhere. So independence, four pillars. I hope you've enjoyed this episode. I love talking about this stuff. It's been uh, very interesting. I'm actually going to interview my mom at the end of, like I said, this was inspired by a little lunch I had with her. Uh, I'm going to interview her at the end of that period, which will be around Mother's Day. So look for that interview. If you're curious about the video I made kind of uh, announcing her story, so to speak, then check it out. It's uh, on the show notes for this episode. I'll paste it again. And I hope you've enjoyed this episode. So, be independent. Be confident. Be courageous. Be accountable, and be diligent. Thank you so much for listening to this show. I really appreciate the ability to contribute to your life, to share what I love with you, and I hope that it's made a difference. If you like this episode, share it with your friends. I'm on Facebook. Uh, check out the website too. It just made some new stuff on there as well we actually created a patreon account Uh, so if you like these kinds of things you can uh, subscribe there's you know all kinds of links there if that's something you want to do but thank you so much for your support and i'll see you guys on the flip side see you later you're listening to the seven transformations podcast with your host Tudor alexander for weekly articles on creating a life you love stay connected at the 7